This is the Breaker.News podcast for the week of August 9th, 2020. I'm Bob Mackin, publisher of the Breaker.News and host of the Breaker.News podcast. Welcome to edition number 146. The Breaker is your source for news, opinion, and analysis about British Columbia issues, institutions, and influencers. Later, I'll tell you how you can support the Breaker. On this edition, headlines from the Pacific Rim and the Pacific Northwest. It's a physically distanced and virtual special birthdays edition. Party in the pandemic. I hit the big 5-0 on August 8th, and I catch up with birthday girl Lila Ewell from Vancouver Island and birthday boy Dave Olson from Japan. It feels like a birthday present whenever Joe Keithley releases new music. The leader of punk rock legends DOA is in the middle of his first term on Burnaby City Council, and he has teamed up with Burnaby Mayor Mike Hurley for a new take on an old DOA song. I also read the headlines from the August 8th and 9th, 1970 editions of Victoria, B.C.'s Daily Colonist newspaper. Fifty years ago, this weekend, what was happening in B.C.'s provincial capital? Plus, I'll award a virtual Nanaimo bar to those making a difference. Now, is it just me? Is it just me, or does time fly when you're having fun? On August 8th, I hit the big 5-0, and yes, there were 50 pink flamingos on the lawn. I decided to look back at the pages of the Colonist newspaper for 50 years ago this weekend, the August 8th, 1970, and August 9th, 1970 editions. Top story on the August 8th edition was Guns Fall Silent, Mideast at Midnight. U.S.-sponsored ceasefire took effect on the Suez Canal battlefront between Egyptian and Israeli soldiers. Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau was in Ocean Falls, B.C. during a six-day tour of B.C. and the North. He appeared at a meeting for 500 people, and he said that labor had become the main cause of inflation. Dr. J.A. Wada of the UBC Neurological Lab said that there should be a science center where killer whales can come and go freely, attracted by food or sound. Port Alberni had its first visit from a female ship captain, Anna Shekatinina, guided the 510-foot freighter Anton Chekhov into the harbour. Meanwhile, the British Columbia government sent a telegram to Ottawa protesting the ban on Russian fishing ships in the port of Vancouver. You know they were serious when they were using the technology of the day. They sent a telegram. Prison guards used tear gas and fire hoses on almost 300 prisoners in British Columbia Penitentiary in New Westminster during an eight-hour sit-down protest. On August 8th, they were protesting the death of Indian inmate Walton Brass. The Socialist Party of Canada crashed the Voice of Women-sponsored Life Festival at Beacon Hill Park on August 8th. What a scene that would have been. In sports, the BC Open Golf Tournament was on at Richmond Country Club. At Yankee Stadium, the New York Yankees surprised former manager Casey Stengel when they retired his number 37 at the annual Old Timers Day. In Canadian Football League play, Saskatchewan Rough Riders beat Hamilton Tiger Cats 23-22. And in stores around Victoria, Safeway was selling eight oranges for $1. The Mellow Spot restaurant on Gorge Road was advertising two Jiffy Burgers for $0.50. Regular price, $0.30 each. For $35,000, you could buy the house at 1703 Ash Road in Gordon Head, or if you had a little more money in your pocket, for 38900 you could buy 4902 Sea Ridge Drive in Cordova Bay. Coming soon to the Royal Theatre on Broughton, the Woodstock movie. 
August 8th was also a big day in pop culture over the years. The Kingsmen released Louie Louie in 1963. In 1969, the Beatles posed for the cover of the Abbey Road album, you know, the uh, Crossing Abbey Road Crosswalk photo. In 1987, U2 celebrated the Edge's birthday, and they also celebrated I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For hitting the top of the pop charts with a concert in Cork, Ireland. And in 2010, duets by Eminem and Rihanna and Katy Perry and Snoop Dogg were both hits. And of course, August 8th in 1974, the day that President Richard Nixon resigned after the Watergate scandal. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. Vice President Ford will be sworn in as president at that hour in this office. What do you think? Email bob at thebreaker.news. News podcast for Around the Rim. We look at news headlines around the Pacific Rim. In the Apple Daily, fears of state-instigated doxing as Apple Daily staffers find their details online. Mainland Chinese authorities are suspected to play a role in doxing Hong Kong journalists as Apple Daily staffers confirm that photos posted on a malicious website match those used in their Chinese travel document applications. The names, birthdays, phone numbers, and photos of more than 170 current and former employees of Apple Daily were uploaded to the website last week. 57 of the employees said the photos were the same as the ones they used for the permit granted to Hong Kongers for cross-boundary travel to mainland China. Kyoto in the Japan Times. Olympic rings removed from Tokyo Bay for safety inspections. A giant floating monument of the five Olympic rings was temporarily removed from its location in Tokyo Bay to undergo safety inspections and maintenance following the game's postponement due to the novel coronavirus pandemic. The monument, measuring 33 meters in width and 15 meters in height and weighing about 69 tons, will be reinstalled in the same location in the capital's Minato ward after about four months of work. Karen Percy in ABC News Australia Former public servant Nino Napoli admits rorting education funds to pay for wine, TV, and maintaining hairpiece. Yes, the people of Australia are paying for a toupee. Napoli worked in the department for 38 years, and his unit administered the department's $5 billion budget. Napoli oversaw a system that paid out more than $500,000 to companies run by some of his relatives. He shared sensitive information about tenders and passed that on to relatives, so that they could win contracts. Mr. Napoli personally gained $95,000 and his cousin gained $58,000, a court heard. That's Around the Rim on this edition of the Breaker.News podcast. Now it's time on the Breaker.News podcast for Cascadia Calling. We look at news headlines around the Pacific Northwest. Andrew Thien in the Oregonian. Portland says fence fine approaching $600,000, feds aware of it, but unresponsive. Federal officers withdrew from guarding Portland's federal courthouse during nightly protests, but a large fence they installed is still there. The city of Portland continues to impose a $500 fine every 15 minutes for the fence, which was erected in the public right-of-way without a permit. It's unclear why the city isn't removing the fence now that those federal officers are no longer leading the nightly law enforcement response and many of their ranks have left town. Joseph O'Sullivan, David Gutman, and Jim Brunner in the Seattle Times. Republican Lauren Culp advances to face Governor Jay Inslee 
in Washington's November 3rd general election. Inslee, the Democrat seeking a third term, maintained a commanding first-place lead with 52% of the vote. Culp, the police chief of Republic in Ferry County, was in second place with about 17%. Among Culp's nearest Republican rivals in the 36-candidate gubernatorial primary field, former Bothell Mayor Joshua Freed had about 8% of the vote, while longtime initiative sponsor Tim Eyman had about 7%. And Czech News reported... Outdoor Silent Disco Yoga launches in Victoria. Yes, that headline was correct. Outdoor Silent Disco Yoga. Silent Disco Yoga involves noise-canceling headphones, a live DJ, and outdoor spaces that accommodate proper physical distancing between participants. Dreamland Silent Disco recently partnered with Sanderson's Sea Cider Farm and Cider House to offer an outdoor exercise experience like no other. And these headlines this week in the Breaker.News. Vancouver's jet-setting ex-mayor admits air travel pollutes. This is the sound of ex-mayor Gregor Robertson, who spent more than $127,000 on travel out of Vancouver, including trips to the United Nations, Vatican, White House, Beijing, Sydney, Johannesburg, London, all on the taxpayer tab. We've had an incredible test of working from home, and in reducing uh, travel, work travel, and so-called love miles of travel, um, which, you know, I think all of that was at an all-time high for people flying around the world for work, for one meeting on the other side of the planet, or, or to see family or loved ones. Uh, it, it was, we were seeing such a pattern of that, escalating uh, and burning a lot of fossil fuels to move ourselves around. And we've had a forced reset of that. And Elections BC seeks staff for September in case of snap fall vote. Read the stories behind the headlines. Go to thebreaker.news. This is the Big Deal feature on the Breaker.news podcast. On the Breaker.News podcast is Joe Keithley, no stranger to listeners of the Breaker.News podcast or fans of punk rock anywhere in the world. Joe Keithley became a civic politician after many tries, got elected to Burnaby City Council in 2018 as a member of the Green Party. Joe is now focusing on civic politics, on uh, making Burnaby a better place. Joe is also known as the bard of Burnaby. Joe has written so many songs uh, about social justice and uh, uh, here on the West Coast. And one of them is You Won't Stand Alone, which is uh, it's gone through a di- couple of different versions over the years. And it's a new version <clears throat> with Burnaby Mayor Mike Hurley. And uh, uh, City of Burnaby has released a video of the song with some new lyrics. And this is about diversity, celebrating diversity and standing up to racism everywhere, Bur- Burnaby and beyond. Joe, talk about uh, recording this version and releasing it in this fashion. Well, the, the mayor and I had spoke about, uh, you know, ever-growing incidents of uh, racism in Metro and, and in Burnaby a little bit as well, obviously, just like in Airtown, unfortunately. Um, so he said, hey, 
you know, we'd, uh, we'd worked on a song that previously about um, social distancing called that uh, we're all in this together. The mayor and I have recorded that. So he said, how about a song about uh, diversity and uh, anti-racism? So I took an old DOA song or an old solo song, whatever, one of my songs, You Won't Stand Alone, and uh, changed about three quarters of the lyrics. And it took me a little while to get it right, but I think we got it right. And uh, yeah, we we had a, a fun time doing it, and it's a really worthwhile thing to do as well, I believe. This song has gone through a couple of different iterations. There was even a ska version a number of years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, there was a solo acoustic one in 98. And there's a ska version on uh, DOA album um, 02 or something like that. So uh, this would be like the, hey, third time, third time lucky. And, uh, you know, Mayor Mike Hurley, he's someone who can uh, relate to this message and relate to uh, what you're trying to achieve with the song. Yeah, that's interesting because Mike did grow up in a war-torn, uh, violent uh, society that's uh, Northern Ireland. And uh, interestingly enough, um, the drummer in the video was uh, the DOA drummer, Paddy Duddy. He also grew up in Northern Ireland, about 10 miles away from uh, where Mike grew up. Um, and apparently, uh, Mike Hurley learned to play guitar off of Paddy Duddy's, from Paddy Duddy's uncle. So it was a really interesting family uh, connection when those two finally met and we recorded uh, at a studio uh, to, to do the song. Now, you've got the videos uh, from the two songs. Uh, any ch chance there might be a live performance, a socially distant live performance for uh, uh, an audience of maximum 50? Yeah, I mean, we had kind of talked about uh, doing a show, doing like a um, 50 person max show to help out the, the Vancouver Food Bank, uh, which is located in, in Burnaby, um, the main warehouse. And uh, we thought, no, we don't want to bring together too big a crowd because of because of COVID, right? And sending the wrong message, like we're trying to draw in a crowd when people should be staying, staying apart. Um, as far as like a socially distance show, I'm not so sure. We haven't, we haven't talked about that. Originally, the mayor and I, because we have done some shows together out here in Burnaby, uh, we were supposed to play for the 50th uh, anniversary of the Burnaby Art Guild and uh, with a bunch of high school students uh, joining us. And uh, uh, that didn't happen because uh, COVID struck. Tell, tell me what it's like to, for you to have been a politician during this, this time, this once in a century uh, crisis. Yeah, I mean, it's been challenging. Like we went through a lot of stuff. I mean, uh, we're busy at city council all the time. Um, once a couple of weeks after COVID sort of set, set in there and everybody realized, okay, this really is a pandemic. Um, except for like uh, people like Donald Trump who still haven't, hasn't quite figured that out. Um, then it got twice as busy at council because we were talking about um, how do we help homeless people? Uh, how do we carry on with our agenda of trying to build affordable housing? Um, how, how do we deal with the employees of Burnaby? And we're like, uh, you know, because then all of a sudden, like all the, the libraries and ice rinks, they were closed, right? So 
Um, there was a lot of difficult decisions, uh, but the city's starting to come back around um, with a lot of caution. Uh, you know, do, do we want to? We don't want an upsurge in, in COVID cases, right? We want to take a very cautious approach to uh, reopening everything. And finally, uh, could there be a third song? Could there? Could you uh, end this trilogy? <laughs> could 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 it be ending the year on a high note? Several months from now, with a Christmas Carol. I mean, what 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 is in your mind about? Uh, but the next collaboration with the mayor. Well, the, your Christmas suggestion might be a good thing. We could come up with a song uh, that would help out uh, the disadvantaged uh, in Burnaby uh, during the Christmas time. Uh, I'll start thinking about that. That's a, that's a good seed that you planted there, Bob. I appreciate that. Right. So there could be a third song. And, uh, you know, because Mike uh, came over here on a work permit as a musician. And that's how he entered Canada and became a Canadian uh, uh, like a permanent resident, then obviously a Canadian citizen, then obviously the mayor of Burnaby, right? So he's always game for music. Uh, both him and I uh, love it. And uh, and the thing about music, it is the universal language. It doesn't matter how much we're in a time of strife and uh, uh, upheaval throughout the world. Uh, but the one thing people do understand is music is the one kind of healing thing that everybody loves music. And it has a lot of power to do a lot of good. Well, thanks very much again to uh, yeah. Burnaby City Councilor Joe Keithley. Joe Keithley, the voice, the mind, the guitar behind DOA for so <laughs> many years, and uh, the man who has brought, along with Burnaby Mayor Mike Hurley, the new version of You Won't Stand Alone that we'll listen to right here on the Breaker.News podcast. <laughs> Together, the human family, we're trying our best to be happy and free. So let's keep our faith in one another, cause that's our strength, our sisters and our brothers. When you face a storm, you won't stand alone, we'll all stand together, cause this is our home. And it don't matter what color you are, cause love will conquer hate, so you won't stand alone. When you face a storm, you won't stand alone. We'll all stand together, cause this is our home. And it don't matter what color you are, cause love will conquer hate. So you won't stand alone, you won't stand alone.
my guest on this birthday weekend from Comox Valley on Vancouver Island, Lila Ewell, who is celebrating her birthday. Lila is a well-known commentator on British Columbia politics. Welcome to the Big Deal feature on the Breaker.News podcast. Thanks for having me, Bob, and happy birthday to you as well. Same, same. Uh, talk about life during the pandemic on Vancouver Island. What kind of changes have you seen and uh, in your neck of the woods? Well, I think it was um, pretty much the same as everywhere else. Uh, there was the, the initial panic, the unknown, the uncertainty. Um, of course, everybody who has families, you know, immediately put their mind to their families and and staying at home and, and for myself just being put into the position that I think as a parent, you can plan on so many things in life. You think about, you know, issues overseas. Is there going to be war? Is there going to be this? Is there going to be a recession? You never really think about pandemic. Like that never came into my mind to prepare for as a parent. So to get thrust into the situation of all of a sudden we're educating at home and and dealing with teachers, I have to say in the Comox Valley were just amazing. Like the teachers just very quickly flipped over into um, online learning. We use proprietary things here. We didn't use Zoom like everywhere else was. We were using Microsoft. Um, And it was interesting. And it was interesting to see at first everybody was sort of stunned and motionless. And people were already considering small businesses being closed and and loss and um, and then the community very quickly rallied and I think that's something you really see in smaller communities is how quickly people band together even if you don't agree on issues or you know per se come from the same background but everybody really just band together really quickly to to help businesses get open to be able to make them operate safely for takeout and uh, it was really you know an inspiring thing to see actually. And uh, this is your birthday weekend, like it's my birthday weekend. Uh, mine is August 8th, as is yours. Um, talk about uh, life uh, for you and, and uh, watching history go by over the past almost five decades. Just see me hearing five decades. I never really thought of myself as being almost 50. Like, you probably feel the same. It's like you feel young, 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 and then all of a sudden you look at your birthday and it's like, I'm almost 50, <laughs> or I am 50, as in your case. Um but yeah, I think it's just, it's amazing to see the changes even, and I feel so old saying this, like, you know, I told my kids, I, you want to know how old I am? I'm actually older than Google and, mm-hmm. and telling things like, you know, when we went to school, we had a library with a card catalog. Well, how did you take out books? We had to go and look them up and pull up this little drawer and there was all these little pieces of paper. And well, how did you do research for essays? Well, you had to go to the library and actually get a book and sit down and make notes. And, I mean, just seeing those kind of technological changes over the years has been astounding when I look back. And then even just now, the changes that are coming out now in terms of artificial intelligence and automation and the way that industry is adapting, you know, some of these changes are really profound and exciting, and, and in other ways, they're also very scary in terms of for the way that humanity is being pushed out in terms of automation for money saving. And, I mean, it's I think it's just really going to be interesting through this pandemic to see 
how industry and corporations maybe perhaps take advantage of things like the pandemic to push for more automation in terms of, you know, keeping everybody separated and physically distanced. It's been something I've been thinking about, you know, like will we see more of a push to remove people from production and processing and um, and even long term how the policy that develops throughout this pandemic um, really impacts things like education even you know like I've heard people comment that this is the beginning of a virtual education world and I, I wonder about that I see universities doing this I see you know schools to some extent I wonder if they're going to start to see the cost advantages to that and I think that it's very prudent for everybody to think of also during this time where do we want to go in the future in terms of all of this indeed uh yeah so uh yeah and happy uh, happy birthday and uh, i'll be thinking about uh, those changes too i'll be thinking about the days when i used to uh, call my uh, grandparents on a dial phone to talk about what was in the afternoon newspaper that hit their porch while they were watching uh, sports or something else on their black and white tv uh yeah that you used to have to get up and walk across the floor to change the channel on and the volume right indeed indeed and uh yeah, if people had a little bit more exercise these days, and maybe maybe a lot of things would be different too. But uh, I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, thanks again for joining me on the, the Breaker News podcast. That's Layla Ewell from the Comox Valley on Vancouver Island, who is celebrating her birthday, socially distant, physically distant, this weekend as well. Dave Olson, a storyteller, a traveler, and uh, formerly of Vancouver, formerly of Hootsuite, his birthday, we're, we're looking at birthdays, his birthday is <laughs> next week, August 16th, Dave is uh, celebrating in Japan, where he's uh, the proud father of Ichiro Stanley Thorvald Olson, he's now living in Okayama, Japan, which is between uh, Hiroshima and Osaka, uh, this week, of course, the anniversary of the bombing of uh, Hiroshima, uh, it's also a summer that should have been the Summer Olympics in Tokyo. Uh, they've been delayed to 2021 because of the coronavirus pandemic. What is li- life like on the ground uh, in Japan with uh, this uh, health emergency at a time when it should have been celebration? Well, you know, it's real interesting, Bob, because the pandemic and the Olympics will forever be intertwined in in the story and the narrative. And it really felt like the pandemic got serious uh, as soon as the Olympics was officially cancelled. The Olympics are really seen as a huge part of uh, current Prime Minister Abe's legacy and obviously huge investment and huge commotion around the whole thing and with all the uncertainty around is it going to happen, is it going to not, and then when it was finally cancelled and it just creates a general malaise but also a feeling like well, we really don't know what's going to happen, and we've spent all this money for nothing, and are we going to keep throwing good money after bad uh, with this dream that it might happen next year? Because there's really no sense in believing that it is going to happen next year. 
I will tell you what's not helping though is uh, the, the, some of the statements that came out, I especially remember from Dick Pound, IOC uh, uh, executive member and uh, Thomas Bach, you know, they had an opportunity to really step up and say, hey, Japan, we know this is a complicated situation. We're here with you. Let's figure out how to sort this out. Instead, there was very much a paternalistic, well, you know, Japan, if you can't get it together, this might just be canceled, not just delayed. So it really kind of mm, destroyed some of the goodwill that existed between the Japanese public and the IOC. So the, Olymp so the Olympic spirit has really diminished. That said, Japan, like the tragically hip song, I ain't no movie star, but I can get behind anything. Not necessarily sports fans, but the world's coming to Japan. Japan wants to welcome everyone. But right now it seems like, wow, we got plenty else to, else, uh, to worry about. You've got a personal archive project. Tell me what you are learning about yourself by looking back so many decades through everything that you've gathered, the stories you told over the years and also what you learned about the world. I've always been sort of traveling. I've never really stuck around one place for too long. So finally, I have all of my things that I've collected throughout my life from various storage sheds, now in a 150-year-old grain barn in my yard here in Japan. So I've been able to dig into these things and create this personal archaeology project. And what I found is I'm pretty much the same guy now that I was at five, maybe eight years old. I love to make projects. I love to go places, look at globes, look at maps, create stories, foster friendships. I've been writing postcards and letters my, and making little newsletters and fanzines, starting with the Pig Express community newsletter in Wally, Guilford, in 1979 on a ditto machine, a mimeograph. And so I'm really the same guy now that I always was. And through all this, I realized that uh, relationships that you form if you foster them, they can really last you a lifetime, and those are the people who really have your back when things get tough. You know, I've gone through some hard times like we all do at certain points, and it's those, if you take the time to nurture the relationships and always be kind to people, you're gonna be in much better stead. The other thing that I think about, too, is keeping a DIY spirit. You know, um, you know like you, I've always been involved in different music scenes, uh, everything from the the punk rock scene to the to the Grateful Dead, and there was always this DIY spirit of community. You learn a skill, you bring that skill, you share that spirit and community, and you can get a little bit farther down the road. You can put on that next show, and those kinds of lessons, I think, too, are are really valuable. Now, more recently in my life, uh, you know, it was it was right around your birthday that Jerry Garcia passed away, the Grateful Dead, and this was a big deal for me. I was living on the island of Guam and couldn't find out any information, went to a candlelight vigil and some guys were there from the newspaper and they had all the details. I'm like, wow, how do you know that? And they're like, we have the internet. And I'm like, what's the internet, man? The next day I took a class and this was in 1995 and it really changed the next bunch of years of my life, you know, working for different dot-com startups. But what I've found through all the internet is it's really the same desire for communication, community, storytelling. It just all happens a little faster. Now, in so many ways, the internet has become a business rather than the communication medium. Uh, I'm hoping those kinds of things will come full circle as we, uh, you know, in, in these strange circumstances, people are really realizing the importance of community, the importance of family and friends and relationships and these kind of DIY skills, whether it be making sourdough bread or knowing how to fix your own refrigerator or having hobbies, you know, making scrapbooks and making paintings. All those things aren't just ephemeral 
sideline hobbies. The hobbies are our lives. So those are a few things that immediately come to mind. And now, of course, you've got a, a new life there in Japan uh, with uh, Ichiro Stanley Thorvald Olsen, uh, Bundle of Joy, uh, who you'll teach uh, to travel and tell stories in your own way. Well, I've, we've also filled up the house with musical instruments because whether he wants to or not, the kid's going to have a band. I'm going to make the flyers and the fanzines, and we got guitars and pianos and drum sets scattered strategically around the house, and uh, as well as um, I had his, him in his uh, Flying V Canucks jersey the other day. It doesn't exactly fit, but close enough. So, uh, you know, it's a strange time to bring, bring a little dude into, into the world, uh, but I really feel like this generation quarantine, hashtag generation quarantine, will do some incredible uh, thing. So I'm, I feel very uh, fortunate. And I will say that that full name, that was a real uh, difficulty fitting on the Japanese birth registration forms where middle names are not particularly common, but there's stories behind all of them. So I'm sticking with it. But I really am excited to share the world with him. Uh, you know, we have globes and maps and musical instruments. And uh, I, I couldn't be more excited to enter this this third act of my life here at 50 years old. Well, thanks again to Dave Olson, who is joining us on Skype from Okayama, Japan. Uh, arigato to Dave, and a happy birthday, too. Uh, we're looking back at uh, birthdays and looking forward as well to a better future in this uh, crazy world we have today. Thanks again, Dave, for joining us on the Breaker.News podcast. Bob-san, otanjoubi omodato Every week we end the Breaker.News podcast on a tasty note by awarding the goodness of a virtual Nanaimo bar to a person or group that is making a difference. A virtual version of the province's favorite dessert bar goes this week to anyone having a birthday this month. Anywhere you are, happy birthday to you. If you're feeling lonely during the pandemic, and it's your birthday, it's August, this is for you. You can nominate someone for a virtual Nanaimo bar. Send me an email to bob at thebreaker.news. Spruce Hill Contracting. Custom homes and renovations. Find more information at sprucehill.ca. That's it for the Breaker.News podcast for the week of August 9th, 2020. I'm Bob Mackin. Thanks for joining me. Did you know that on August 9th in 1936 at Adolf Hitler's Berlin Olympics... Sprinter and long jumper Jesse Owens won his fourth gold medal, one of the greatest African-American athletes of all time, Jesse Owens, showing it to Hitler. And in 1944, the U.S. Forest Service launched the Smokey the Bear poster campaign. Now you know. Send me your feedback, send me your story ideas to bobthebreaker.news. Bookmark thebreaker.news. You can also find us at thebreaker.ca. Sign up for the email newsletter and get updates to your inbox. For news as it happens, follow The Breaker News on Twitter and visit TheBreaker.News on Facebook. You can support The Breaker for as little as $2 a month. For more information, go to Patreon.com slash TheBreakerNews. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash TheBreakerNews. Until next week.